Welcome back to the Trap Test Podcast. We're your hosts, Kim and Aaron, and we are back after a little hiatus. I know. I almost feel just nervous, like being back on the mic. Like it's been a month. Over a month. We, we, we did not do a podcast before we left for like the first two or three weeks. Wow. Yeah. So we just got back from Patagonia, which we're going to get into in this episode. And when we're on our group trips, we're just completely there. And we're, it's like a full on immersive, immersive experience. And we don't really come up for air. And so we like the podcast, there was just no space, no room to do the podcast. Like there was just absolutely no time. And the only time that we had in between groups, we were fucking sleeping yeah. because we were exhausted. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to dive into all that and more. And here we go back on the mic. Okay. So. Wow. On the, yeah, so on this episode, we basically just wanted to kind of unpack the last month and our trip to Patagonia, kind of share some fun behind the scenes stuff and, and just kind of reconnect with you guys. Honestly, yeah. it's funny because when we were gone, I, I really enjoy the podcast. Like totally. Not only do I love connecting with the people and sharing stories and you know, whatever. But I really enjoy just this time to sit down with you where I feel like we're just in a conversation. No distractions. No distractions. Yeah. Because we're on the mic mm -hmm. and I don't know. I missed it. I really did. I'm excited to be back. No, I know. And it was funny because I went out and got these really cool microphones. I did a lot of research and I was like, we can take this with oh my us. God. And it's like, finally, we have something that sounds good that is mobile. And so then I buy them and we literally go through a, you know, two month hiatus on the podcast, which we've never done Ever. in three years. It's the mics. And like, was, we can like travel with them and like, we'll go live like in our tent and we'll do a podcast. And like, we had all these like big expectations. The reality of it is, no. yeah, we were in our tent with 70 mile an hour winds. Uh, pouring down rain, just trying to survive. Trying like, to survive. Trying to survive. No, I, I think too, like the reality of, I, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but I mean, the reality of the trip is the trip. Like it, it, it's, you can have expectations of what you think downtime is going to be and what you think you're going to have. But again, you and I are responsible for creating the most memorable experience for these people that are coming on these trips. And that means we are working until late and making sure that everybody's okay. And then we are debriefing and then falling asleep in the middle of our debrief. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy. And so, well, I think too, just with the podcast itself, I was, I was just thinking about, you know, we hadn't done it and I missed it and, and all the kind of things. And it's like, I feel like the podcast out of everything we do is the best expression of us, right? Totally. Because we can just sit and we can talk and we t can tell stories. We can tell our insights. We can tell lessons or things we're learning. And I feel like it's a place that we can just be the most real and the most vulnerable. And there's mm -hmm. no filter. We're not live on Facebook teaching. We're not right? trying to create a storyline on YouTube. It's not. Yeah. It's not a YouTube where we're showing you different things. And yeah, it's more like kind of scripted and even our trips, 
you know, we're there in person and it's just such a, you're having all these incredible conversations and it's such a beautiful experience, but it's still, this is just you and I kind of unleashing on our own. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I don't know. I love being able to do that. No. And I, and I think when it comes down to it, you know, we've also realized in comparison to YouTube and what that takes, like this doesn't take the amount of time, effort, energy that YouTube does. And it's something that we deeply love as you've stated. And it's easy for us to do. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. It's it, like you said, I, I never really looked at it from that level of like, we've always been good at talking to each other, but this is like an hour or so of us literally paying attention, not looking at our phones. I got a text. I know, <laughs> but it's the whole point of it. Of We can unpack a lot of stuff. And I think even after a lot of these podcasts, I leave feeling a lot more refreshed, a lot more rejuvenated and a lot more clear on certain things. Totes. It's a good, it's a good therapy session. It so really is. with all that being said, we have missed you. Thank you for coming back. We are back. We are home from the most incredible, incredible trip to Patagonia. And we're home for about seven weeks. And then we leave again for Peru, (laughs) which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And we, I don't know what, what's the date? It's like the 25th or something? No, today's the 19th. The 19th. So this will come out on the 20th. So we are getting ready to launch our Travses Bali trip our goal it has been a hustle since we've got home like this this is a trip that's so important to us because bali is one of our favorite places in the world and so we're really trying to create a unique experience like something that like we have a lot of insight into bali and connections there and and so wanting to create something that you can't just like go I mean, you could go do on your own essentially, but you couldn't just show up and go do. Like we wanted to create something special and to really highlight our favorite parts about Bali. Well, and I think even adding that, to be honest with you, I feel like the past five or six conversations we had about Bali, I just feel like people have a misconception about. And it's not the Bali that I know. And it was weird because I feel like we were defending it to these people and they were like, it's either known as a beach party backpacker spot or a yoga retreat spot. Or some people even said Bali's one of the most dangerous places ever. And I'm like, you never gotta, heard that before. Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what is your experience? I mean, obviously there's bad things everywhere. And but Bali is one of the like most spiritual, loving places I've ever been. Um, every single interaction I've had. I don't think I've ever had one that I've been like, they were assholes. Bali is the least sketchy place I've ever been like ever. And we've been a lot of places. So I think, yeah, people think of it as this big party Island. And I think that, yes, that's true. And that's there. It depends on, I think it depends on how you travel. Right. And so our trips are planned around how we like to travel and the things that we like to do. And so we, we experience it completely different than someone who's going to Bali, who's just going to party. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the difference of our trips. I mean, Bali, there's so much adventure. There's so much culture. There's so much beauty. There's so many incredible things that you can do. And, and so we really want to showcase that part of Bali because that's the Bali we love and the, and how we would want to travel through Bali and really giving people a taste of, of, the real side of Bali, not the party side, not the westernized side for digital nomads and all the people moving in. Um, 
and the people and focusing on the people and the culture and the adventure. Like that's mm-hmm. like our passion. But I mean, that also leads into why we started planning adventure trips anyway, was because of that. Because we did always feel like when we're talking to people and even people that have been to the same places, we have totally different experiences. And our experiences we felt were life-changing. And so we're like, where's, where's the missing mark? And so when we decided that we would love to lead group adventures to show people that, to showcase that, and to see if they felt the same way. And so far, so good. Like it's literally been working. So there is something there in the way that we travel and the way that we experience things that I love bringing to other people. And that's what sets Travcest adventure trips apart. Yeah. I, it's not, our trips are not for everybody. They're no. just not like we travel in a very different way. We like to get off the beaten path. We like, it's very adventure focused. Obviously, um, Peru and Patagonia are very physically challenging with the hiking and all of that. Bali won't be like that. There will be adventures and there will be some hiking, but it won't be anything like the extent that we've done. But our trips are definitely for people who like to get away from the crowds, like to have an adventure, want to like get gritty and really learn and connect with where they are, right? We're not staying in the four seasons. We're not laying on beaches. That's just not the vibe. We want to find the local people, connect, learn, go do something challenging and physical and fun. But also we really like to have beautiful, delicious dinners and drink wine and have fun and, and stay in some nice accommodation. So I think they're really a great mix of both. But if you are not into having an adventure and you are more of like a resort traveler, these trips are not for you. No, and, and I, I, I really like to try to focus and call in the people of being like, this is not what I expected, but hell yeah, let's go. Yeah. Like, that's what I like. Yeah. You know, like this might not be the best sleep of my life, but look where I'm at, right? Like it might be raining and 100 mile an hour winds, but wow, what an experience. Right. Right. That's the kind of mindset that I want on these trips. And that's what I really try to put out there because those are the times that are changing, right? Those are your life changing moments when you're looking at, you know, maybe it's a little of like, wow, like I have a lot more things in my life than I really need because of these people and look how happy they are and look what they're doing. Like that's a life changing moment. Wow, I pushed myself outside of my comfort zone, slept in a tent with 100 mile an hour winds and it's pouring down rain. I wake up and my clothes are wet, but I gotta wear them anyway because it's all I got. Let's go, this is gonna be an amazing day, Mm -hmm. right? Like those kind of things change your perspective and we've always said a change in perception is the definition of a miracle, right? We've learned that from Gabby and of course of Miracles and all those kind of things and that really reigns true to me and I try to bring that out through these situations. Yeah, a positive mindset and being able to be adaptable in, in a change of perception when things are hard are really the most important thing on these trips. Go ahead. I was just going to say what you just said is perfect, but what I would add to that is when things are tough and you still can figure out that mindset to enjoy it, that's what sets you apart when you come home. Because when life gets tough and you're like, I love this, let's mm-hmm. go. Like, let's make the most of this. Let's turn this into something that's going to be life-changing. That is, I feel like, the undertow of the lessons that I want to bring out in these trips. Well, yeah, and I think that we always say that, and I think Gabby Bernstein also said this, but um, it's not, you can't always control your experiences, but you can control the way you experience that experience, right? And I think that's the powerful thing because, you know, 
you can't control, especially when you're out in the wild and you're in a remote place or you're out in nature, you're hiking, you can't control a lot of things, especially just traveling in general, right? Things come up, there's challenges. You can't control that, but you can control your attitude, your mindset. Do you learn from this? Can you laugh about it? Can you have fun? Like that is really what sets people apart. And not that life is always rainbows and butterflies because that's absolutely not the truth, but it's like, how do you deal with adversity? How do you deal with challenge? How do you deal with extreme conditions or when things are hard or your feet hurt or you're, you know, you're, you're, you blew out your knee and you still have to hike up a mountain and you're like, what am I supposed to do? That is where I feel like you test yourself and you test your grit and you test that mindset and your mentality. And when you can click into that inner, like, um, mindset of I got this that is where that power comes from and these trips absolutely crack that open well people. and you said life's not always rainbows and butterflies and it's not but if you can learn those skills in a fun way when you come home and you are saying like look at like I used to hate wind in general Literally, we had a windy day here in Florida when we came home, and I'm like, this isn't even windy. Like, oh, I know. This is nothing, right? Like, I used to be like, oh, it's not that nice of a day. I was like, it's gorgeous out. I love the wind. Like, after what we experienced in Patagonia, so the power of travel does change your perception when you get home. And if you can do it in that way, when things do get tough at home, when you do have all of your luxuries that we have here in the United States, and, you know, what do you call them, uh, ease of, of life and in a way, right? Like we have grocery stores and we have easy things to go get what we need, conveniences. It, you really can have something to compare it to and you can choose how you show up. Yeah. I think, you know, a perfect example when, so I ended up having to get new hiking boots oh last second. Okay. So After I got the fourth pair. I got these freaking hiking boots and I wore them at home, tried to break them in. And I knew, and again, it just goes back to always listen to your gut because I knew, I was like, ooh, I just think that these aren't gonna be a good fit for me. But I kept adding, I kept being like, they're gonna be fine, they're gonna be fine. I, I thought I needed like the ankle boot. And so I was like, they're gonna be fine. We get to, to Patagonia and the first, uh, there's so many stories, but we were supposed to go to this place called La Peninsula, which is this beautiful estancia and which is like a ranch there. And the only way you can get there is by boat. And so we go our first day, right? Everyone arrived, we had our beautiful dinner. The next day we have this beautiful Pumped day up, planned. Ready to go. We're riding horses through the mountains, down the Barbecue, beach. Barbecue, wine. Yeah, like we're, um, we're learning about the, the gaucho culture, which is like they call their cow, their, what they would consider cowboys, gauchos, and like their culture and their way of living and how they do things in Patagonia. Like, like sheep herding and sheep shearing and how they run the ranch and like, er, horseback riding and it was yeah. just this incredible day so we were so excited and we have to take a boat out there and again we're in patagonia which is known for its unpredictable weather it's crazy winds i mean you're at the the end of the world the world like the next stop is antarctica right the seas are crazy it's just I mean, the the fjord we were in was called Last Hope, right? right? Like, it just gives you a sense of like, because they're like, if we don't find land after this, this is our last hope of survival, mm -hmm. right? And so that's like what, what we're in. So we have to take a boat out there. And 
we, the, it was very windy day. They're like, we're going to give it a try. And so we head out there and it starts getting like super crazy, super rocky, like waves are getting higher and we're like, whatever, like, just keep going. Like we really wanted to go. And, um, we end up pulling in or not pulling in, but like getting into like the last hope sound, the last hope sound. And literally the waves were coming over the boat, mm -hmm. like not even kidding. It was like a swirl. And mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God. And I mean, we're not on the biggest boat, but like, no, it was a little guy. Yeah. And and so the captain said, nope, I have to turn around. And so we had to like shoot it so quick to be able to turn around so that we didn't get like, like blown or not blown over, but what? Tipped over. Tipped over. It was, it was actually quite terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm like, close my eyes, like crying. And I'm like, oh my God, this is it. Like, this is, this is how it ends for us. At least we're doing what we love. <laughs> well, and the boat's You're in so close, the boat is enclosed. So it's not like you could just jump out into the water. Like you're inside you a vessel, not under the water. Yeah, you can. Whatever. I was scared. So anyways, long story short, we came back because we, we couldn't go. And so of course we were disappointed and, but we were like real quick as the host of the trip, Aaron and I had to figure out what's plan B. What are we going to do? We got to do something. We, we're not going to be like, well, go sit at your hotel and hang out. Like mm -hmm. we had to figure out a plan B. So we ended up going to, and I'm getting back to the boots here. Okay. Yeah. Long winded version of talking yeah. about these boots. damn boots, but we ended up going to these caves. That was completely unexpected mm -hmm. and wasn't on the itinerary. Mm -hmm. And we went and it was so cool because we wouldn't have been able to do it had we gone to La Peninsula, which we did end up getting to go to La Peninsula with that group on the last day. It worked perfect. out. Thank God. But so we go to the caves, we're hiking and my feet were like bleeding. And so this was before we were hiking the W track. So I'm so grateful that that happened. The next day we were hiking the W track yeah, starting. Right. So I'm so grateful that happened because had we had not hiked the caves, I wouldn't have known how bad they were really going to be. So I was like, I can't do this. So we end up going into town and I found a pair of Las Sportivas, which is like my favorite brand. I hiked the Inca trail in it and they're like kind of, they're like trail runners. Mm -hmm. They're not hiking boots. And I realized I do not like hiking boots. So I got those, they were so comfortable, but they were not waterproof. <laughs> and that first group, when oh. I say it rained and rained and rained and snowed and was windy Sleep. almost the entire time. Yeah, we had a couple of days. We had like, a, there, were, there were beautiful moments. We had beautiful weather to kayak. Yes, hallelujah for that. Mm -hmm. But because my boots weren't waterproof, I was basically hiking in soaking wet socks and shoes. And we're talking, you know, 10 miles, right? It's like long oh, days right. of hiking. 10 to 12 to 13 miles a yeah. day. And, and I had bad blisters as well because of those first shoes that I got. And so it was, it was quite miserable to be soaking wet. Your feet are soaking wet. And you, in like every step I could feel the schlock. Oh. oh, it was just like, it's like having wet socks and it was just, oh, it was just not the vibe, but it's really powerful. Your mindset of just, I tapped into that whole, listen, this isn't ideal, but there's, there's nothing I can do. And it is what it is. And so I'm not going to complain and be upset about it the whole time. It like, I just, 
I'm going to stop thinking about it. And I kept changing my, every time I would think about it, I would keep changing my focus of like, I can't wait till we get to the refugio and we're by the fire and I can dry my shoes and I can dry my socks. And, and I just kept focusing on that. And then it's like, you just get like, it doesn't take over anymore. It's like what you put your energy into. If I would have just focused on how miserable and hot, like my feet were, it would have been a miserable experience. Yeah. Totally. But it's like, it is what it is. I changed my mindset around it. And it, and we had, even through the crazy freaking weather, mm-hmm. we had fun. Oh yeah. We laughed. It became a game. It was like, wow, I want the wind to blow us off the trail. Like that's so much fun. When do you ever get that? Yeah. Like that's why people go outside in hurricanes in Florida because it's like, wow, like the whole feeling and then the whole weather people and like Jim Cantori like videos, that's Jim basically... If you think about us hiking on the W Trek for the first group, it was like in a complete Jim Cantori video. If you don't know who that is, Google him. Um, and so, like, it, that's how we were hiking the trail because the wind was just so nuts. It was again. It's it's it was the most crazy weather, but we kept saying, "This is Patagonia. Yep. This is what makes the hike challenging. Is the weather, the extreme yeah, weather that the, we are yeah. experiencing, like." That is what made the hike. It was so Patagonia. So the whole time the group were just laughing and like you could hear the wind start to come and we would all like put our poles down and just like brace for it. And Mm -hmm. it became like this game and we were all just like bracing and like you would wait for the big gusts to pass and then you could keep hiking. And we were just like, this is crazy. Like this is Patagonia. Mm -hmm. And it became this fun experience and then we were so grateful when we reached our refugio every night because we had a hot shower a warm bed and we We were away from the the wind wind. yeah Yeah. we were like i appreciate this so much more because now i'm out of the elements you know which is just funny how it's funny we'd be looking down at all the people in the tents and like our guides would be intense and like they're literally people are getting out of their tent and the wind is blowing them over because you're obviously crawling in a way and you try to stand up and at that moment you stand up a you know 90 mile an hour gust like it's insane like the the wind was so strong and it's like we're trying to like paint this picture to the second group because they didn't get to experience this and the wind that we had with the second group was literally nothing no like, and they'd be like oh my god it's uh, so windy and windy, i'm like yeah. bitch you don't even know and you have no <laughs> idea like literally the wind was so strong in one of the refugios that the walls were caving in and these were like wooden solid walls but we learned that they build them that way with uh, the the struts or whatever they uh, screw the walls to make them secure. They have give because if it didn't have give, it would blow the windows out. And so it was a Pat- it was a Chilean Patagonia architect that designed these to handle these kinds of winds. And I've just never seen a building flex with oh, yeah. wind blowing so hard. We were like, if we were home right now in Florida, we would be under hurricane warning totally. and we would all be like underground. Like we were all just like drinking our wine. The, the walls were caving. We're like, this is so cool, man. Yeah. We're in Patagonia. Like it was just wild. And the first, the first night of the first group the, of the W track, oh Aaron God. and I were supposed to have a bed in the refugio because we planned one night of camping but the rest of the nights were in refugios, which are basically kind of like dorms, like hostels. And there's a place you can have dinner and there's bathrooms and showers and then it's bunk rooms. So super um, simple, but like cozy and everything that you need. So we were supposed to stay in the refugio, but they didn't have enough beds. 
So we had to sleep in a tent outside, which we weren't expecting. And we're like, oh, it's fine. Like, we're gonna get some privacy. Maybe we'll like cuddle, kiss a little, whatever. This is awesome. Like, and then we get out there. Oh my word. I mean, what it a was, freaking night. It was a complete experience. Like Kim went into total like chaos. Well, thinking that she was going to get trapped in the tent. She's sleeping with my knife. Like, okay, hold on. She yeah, has let to me, open the let tent. Let me put some context. You can't like, so I'm claustrophobic and I have this thing that I have to be able to see my way out of a room in order to feel relaxed. So I don't completely sleep in the dark. I have to have a little bit of light as long as I can see there's a way out. When it's dark, I get nervous. So in the tent, I woke up. And again, we're talking crazy winds. I was like, this tent's going to blow away. This is insane. Crazy winds. Aaron's passed out, sleeping like a baby. And I, and I panicked because I couldn't figure out how to get out of the tent. And we were completely zipped up. So I went into a complete panic attack. And I'm like, babe, babe. I was like screaming his name. He literally wasn't budging. Or you couldn't hear me over the wind. It was like, it was like a scene from Twister. Well, like, I, I had gotten used to falling asleep with Jimbo or whoever it was beside us, like having like the time of their lives at 11 p.m., like laughing and, and being crazy. So I just like... Yeah, there was a lot of people next I like to zoned us. out so I could sleep. So I was like screaming and he wasn't budging. I finally figured out how to get out of the tent. I come out of the tent and I'm just like, it was like a horror scene. I'm I did in- hear that. I did hear... <sighs> and then i would go to put my head in the tent to get my phone so i had a light because it's also pitch black i could not find my headlamp and i go to grab my phone and and every time i would put my head back into the tent even though my body was out of the tent i would start to panic so i would like go like i would look in to try to find it but then i would have to come out and then i would come back in and then I, i would have to come out like it was crazy so I finally snatch up my phone. I go like walk around because I'm like, I just need some fresh air. That was insane. And there's like a party happening and like, like I, com- smoking weed. I come out of the woods looking probably like a psycho. Like I, I was like huffing and puffing, like eyes were just terror. And I come out and there's like at one of the, it's like a, a hangout spot where there's a bathroom and people like the campers would hang out. And I like come out of the woods and there's like a bunch of people on the deck, like drinking, smoking weed, listening to music. And I come out and they all like look at me. And I was like, it was so, I have like my Crocs on. <laughs> Dude, like, what, what I thought was crazy was I actually woke up and the tents open and it's literally a mix of like heavy wind and rain. And I see Kim's body is in the tent and her head is outside and so is her pillow. Like she's got just her head outside the tent with the tent open. And I'm like, what is going on? So that's in my how, knife. So I and so I finally came back to the tent and I was like, I have to get some sleep. I'm so tired. And we were like starting a, a, a hike the next day. It was a long one. Yeah. And so I like put my I had to turn my sleeping bag around and sleep with my head at the door door open and head out (laughs) and then I could then I fell asleep but then I was thinking the wind is so crazy this tent's gonna blow away and so I had the knife because I thought well if it does at least I can cut ourselves out and we can escape it was just absolute insanity and so the next day I talked to the guides because I said like you know I know it's windy here but 
is this normal? Like I was really worried about the tent blowing away and they're like, that's not a thing because the way that the tents are designed, they're like aerodynamic and then they're like in the ground. So that's, that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So then I felt like I relaxed after that. But I think that was like the worst night of like sleep. Yeah. It was just terror totally. all night. I think, I mean, yeah, you're constantly, whatever it is, right? You have individuals that battle their own things. Like you're dealing with sloshy feet and you know, not sleeping very well and then getting up and having to like, not only like hike and do it, also knowing that we were doing it again the next week, like the same thing and covering 90 miles in the weather that we had the first time in two weeks, like you're kind of like, what have we done? You know, but it's crazy because like for me, I slept fine. (laughs) Like I mean, it wasn't ideal. My body hurt. I the, the mat that they gave me only covered half my body. So half was on, half was off. But like, that's the point, right? Like I'm in Patagonia, sleeping in a tent under the mountains, like about to go hike the W track, like cool group of people. Like we had solid food. I had a hot shower that night. Like what else, what yeah. else do you need? I think like for me, it's like learning how to not wake up and be in my own element right? Like that's more draining to me. And that's something that these trips have really brought to the forefront. And again, it's the mindset that you and I have, right? Like I said it, uh, this kind of stuck with a lot of people. I mentioned it twice, both groups, and it really landed. So I think it's a bigger thing that I'm going to start using a lot more. But Kim and I's firm belief is to stop using our index fingers and use our thumbs. Because if you're using more thumbs and you start to realize like, these things are triggering me. These things are upsetting me. These things are difficult to deal with. And if I just blamed them on everybody else, I wouldn't start looking at myself using my thumbs. And so I think realizing that like waking up and being on first thing in the morning, like good morning, like holding the energy throughout the entire day and having to hike and still wanting to like get some rest and still wanting to have fun and still wanting to be a leader of the trip. like. It, it was, it's tough. And it's one of those things that like, I really accept the challenge and I end up loving that part of the challenge because I feel like I leave these trips a little bit better as a human. Mm-hmm. And so these trips are not only therapeutic and hopefully life-changing for our travelers, but they are every single time for us. A hundred percent. I, I feel the same way. I think the, again, learning to be adaptable. So is such a a big part of travel, right? Like you have to adapt and be flexible. And, you know, these trips being with a group of people, like you were saying, where, you know, for me in my normal life, waking up in the morning, I like quiet. I don't even talk to you. It's just like, I have, I, I choose to wake up early in the morning so I can have my alone time. Mm -hmm. And that is so sacred to me. And it, it, it like, fills me up and gets me ready to go start my day. And it's something that's so important. And so that's my real life on these trips. You do not have coffee. And when I say I'm using the word coffee loosely, it's like powdered coffee and water and it's not good. And you're in a room, a cafeteria style with a bunch of people. What, right. So that's what I was saying. So like a, the coffee's disgusting, but, um, I mean, it gets the job done, but I just put sugar in it. But, um, yeah, there's no almond milk. There's no specialness. It's just like a spoon, no pumpkin spice, a spoon no of cinnamon. coffee and some water is like, okay, thank you. I'll take it. But 
yeah, it's like not only you to get the coffee, you have to go in with the group of people. So it's like, it's jarring to someone who doesn't speak, especially when you're with a group of people that are very chatty in the morning. And it's like, oh my God, like this is so much. But I started, I would wake up a little bit earlier, like in my tent or (laughs) in the bunk. And I would just kind of lay there and I would say my prayers and I would just kind of go over what I'm grateful for and collect myself. And so I would do it that way. And then I would go out and get my coffee. So at least I would have like 10 minutes to myself before I had to be talkative and that helped. But yeah, that's a big, that's something like big that you have to adapt. Like being with a group of people and and leading a trip is very different than just going Mm -hmm. on a trip by yourself. And I think we did a really good job and we only had a couple hiccups, which is to be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, like I feel like we had a really successful trip. I think you and I did a really good job of communicating, of supporting each other, um, and and uh, being adaptable. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to call it, this is our fourth trip, right? Second bout, like second full-on trip. And what I've realized in that time is, you know, this was the first time that Kim and I got to do these trips, have this amazing experience with people that we meet in real life. I mean, some people we know, some people we meet in real life on the trail, like, uh, you know, on this trip, like literally hi, we've been social media friends, but like we've never met in real life. So like, let's go on this crazy adventure. Like that's been awesome. And then we get to come home and usually Kim and I are finding a contract and then we got to like stay in hotels and things like that. And so this was the first time we ever got to come home back to our home in Florida where all of our things are and just kind of like rest and relax. And after this fourth trip, I realized I'm so addicted to this. Like I love this more than anything and I can't wait to get back out there. And I think that's like a really cool thing that's happened well i think it's not just again we're we're really passionate about traveling and creating experiences creating experiences for people that will open them up and change the way they think about something or just like getting like we have a lot of uh, moms who come on our trips and they leave their husbands at home and, and their kids and they just go like do something for themselves and have this adventure and meet other people and Um, I just think that's so inspiring. First of all, I just, the people who come on these trips are so inspiring. The solo travelers Mm -hmm. who don't know anyone and just show up and then they end up meeting incredible friends that they're still friends with, right? Like we have a group that on our very first Peru trip who we love and, um, they, they met on that trip, never knew each other, never knew each other. And then they met on that trip and then they all came on the first group in Patagonia and they rented a car and they went on a road trip together through Argentina. Staying in the same hotel room. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, it's just so, well, because one of them is a, a guy, right? So a guy and two girls and like, yeah, they're sharing hotel rooms and they're going on these experiences and people, you just meet other like-minded people to have this experience with. And so that's something we're really passionate about. But also for us, like it is leading these trips is like a classroom because it's things that we're working on professionally, personally, our leadership skills, our relationship when it comes to communication, 
being in groups of people when it's not just Aaron and I. Leadership There's... as a couple, like where I feel that this is a strong thing to do, but you don't and like being able to allow the person to go and then talk about it after. Like there's a lot of like there's lessons. There's so many lessons and there's so much to learn. And and we also love that of, of using these as opportunities for us to grow and to get better and to be better versions of ourselves, better versions in our, in, as a couple, as individuals. And these trips really push us in so many different ways. And it's just such a, a cool, unique experience that I think has so many different layers to it. Mm -hmm. Like I think the day that there was like, again, we're, we're with people for almost three weeks. And out of those three weeks, there was like one day where I shut down Aaron and, and that Aaron just completely shut down, which again is completely fine. But when you're with a group of people, you gotta kind of like, well, and on top of that, I'm somebody that, you know, when I'm shut down, yeah. like it is visible, it looks aggressive. And I literally have a, like, you would think that I was a walking like a uh, business with a COVID restriction, like stay six feet away from me. Like don't interact. Yeah. Like your energy is so strong. Like because you're naturally such a friendly, fun, bubbly, welcoming dude. Like you know that's naturally you're talkative. You're and and when you are shut down, it's you're you're a completely different person. And so obviously I know you very well, and I could tell instantly. But like we had one day where because and we're usually at the front of the pack like we're we're not fast hikers but we're in the faster hiker group and, and that's usually where we are and in that day like I had hurt my knee the day before and I wasn't feeling that well I had a really bad headache and my knee was hurting and I kind of just wanted to hang back which I never get to do well I I could if I want right. I never I, I choose to never do that and so I was hiking slower and I actually really loved it. Cause I'm like, wow, it's quiet back here. And I could take my time. I was like, I should do this more often. And then Aaron was in the back too. And it, which again was already a little bit out of character. And then literally like you just did not say one word to one human at lunch. You sat on a boulder by yourself. It was amazing. It, I know, but it was just funny. Cause it was, it was like, you could, um, a couple of the girls were like, Hey, is Aaron okay? Like he just seems kind of like he's upset. I'm like, he's fine. He just needs a little bit of a break. He needs a little bit of him time. And you know, and, and that's exactly what you did need. Like, I just need a little bit of a break mm -hmm. to then come back. Mm -hmm. But the learning thing was just being like, you, you absolutely can take that time for yourself, but then just being, being able to communicate that of right. like, Hey guys, everything's fine. I just, I just want to hang in the back. I need a little bit of me time and everyone would get that. Yeah. But just to like, you know, shut down. No, we, no. We're like, we can't do that in a group. No, we no. can do that together, but we can't do that in a group. No, because totally. that is just freaking awkward. And that was a big learning experience. Yeah. And, I, and then it was like, I actually bounced back and like yep. that night, like I got to the tent and I unpacked my stuff and like just being able to do those tasks while you were throwing up in the bathroom. Oh yeah. Um, like, I, good. I, that day I felt so bad. Um, and I, that was a, actually a scary day. And again, this was really the only hiccup day um, when it comes to how we were like feeling physically mm -hmm. and emotionally. But I was feeling, I had the worst headache and I felt so sick and I thought, oh my gosh, I am not going to be able to continue because the next day was our towers hike. And this was the second group. 
And I was like, I'm not going to be able to do it. Like, I I think I'm going to have to sit it out because I felt so terrible. And so I was just like barfing all over the bathroom. And then I felt better. I think I just needed... Puke and rally. Because like my headache was, it was like a migraine. Um, And then it ended up, I went to bed really, I didn't drink any wine that night. I just went to bed really early. And then I feel like the next day I was like ready to go. Yeah, totally. But it's funny because it's like, there's so many stories that we could tell. And there's, you know, but I I will say, like, we mentioned it briefly, but I think, like, when you were talking about it, I had, like, a visceral reaction. And the connection that happens within the people in the group is, like, what I think I love the most. Because Patagonia speaks for itself. Doing something challenging speaks for itself. But when you can have a group click to where there's three people that met on our trips, there's been a relationship that brewed from our trips. Now, granted, it wasn't two travelers. It was like a guide and a, and a traveler, which is cool, mm-hmm. um, who are still together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's people literally like saying, I'm driving to visit you, which is the beauty of healthcare travelers going on these trips, too, because we're so mobile and so free that like you're creating lifelong friendships and, mm-hmm. and like those family bonds that were created due to doing something difficult and fun together. Yeah, 100%. Um, which is my favorite part about yeah. it. I think the other, like, kind of, it's like a funny story, but kind of a snafu, like, behind which the one? scenes. The ranch, the final. I was going to say the fact that we got on a plane and it decided to land. Well, we're, I was going to save that till the end because okay. that was kind of like our coming home. Yeah. I mean, there's so many stories. Like, honestly, I have to say, we had so much fun. Like, yeah. both of the groups were so fun, and especially. The second of the second group, you know, because we're kind of we're coming off the first group, and you know we're kind of tired, and we have to gear up to do it again. You kind of don't, you just like, oh, what do you know? You gotta, you gotta go to another level to show up and do a W trek and all of that again. And and the second group showed up, and they were so much fun, such high energy, good attitude, just positive, and that's exactly what we needed to fuel us through to get us through the next like hike. They were, everybody was just so fun. Well, I just really enjoyed both groups so much. And in Peru, we had said, we're never doing two trips again. But I've actually realized that I really enjoy the second trip because we've done it. We see it. We know what it's like. We know what to expect. We know how to like get around any obstacles if they happen. Like we understand the trip fully because we just experienced it. So the second group, it, I feel like there's a weight off my shoulders of not having to be on edge to like figure out like if something goes wrong, what do we need to do? Or if something changes, what do we need to do? Because I don't really understand this place. Like, and so now with this second group, it's like, okay, we're more like, prepared. Yeah. Completely more prepared. So it allows me to relax. And then the energy carries us. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, so yeah, so both groups are fantastic and we just, it was just, just fun. It was a gr- just a great, great trip. And um, but one of the major snafus, so, you know, obviously we plan every single detail. Our goal is to plan every detail and get everything organized so that when people show up, all they have to do is get themselves there and then they can just relax and enjoy their time off. Like just wake up and be at the van on time. Yeah. Like we've got the rest covered. That's kind of the point is that people can just completely enjoy themselves. And Aaron and I are the ones who figure out all the details. Right. And so by the time we get to the location, Everything's been planned. Everything's good to go. But there are things that we have to make sure are like connected, organized. Everybody's up to par, whatever, on the ground. 
So we, our final night of like the W truck, we had rented this beautiful Estancia, which is again, like a ranch in Sierra Beguales, which is the most remote, crazy place in all of Patagonia. They say they have a lot of UFO sightings, which is really cool, mm -hmm. which I wish we would have seen one, but it's like one of those, it's like magnetic energy. It's just like a really kind of like, like weird place. So we rented a ranch there just for our group. And we had a chef and we had um, just t a team helping us in this beautiful house that was cozy and comfortable. And so, so as we're planning the trip, there were two houses on this Estancia, two beautiful homes that were just for the group, right? So there could, we could split the group in half and each would have a beautiful bedroom and a cozy place. So we were so excited. We get there. Now, this is what has been told to us, right? Both houses are done. You're good to go. This is going to be... Everybody has a bed. Yeah. And we get there and there's one beautiful house and there's another one, but it doesn't look done yet. And we were like, okay, um, what's going on? You know, maybe there's another one. There's got to be another one. And so people had already kind of claimed their, we were like, okay, cool. Like we claimed rooms because then we're like, there's another house. It's going to be the same. And we'll take the rest of the group in that house and all will be well. And so we, and again, they don't really speak the best English. Um, Communication is kind of hard because, you know, we're, we don't speak Spanish, which is such a. Our problem. Yeah. So long story short, the house was not done. The second house was not done. Nobody told us that. It was a, we were like bamboozled basically. Yeah. And so at first they were going to put, there was six people. They were going to put them in tents. <laughs> it's snowing. Right. That's and we not just happen. came off the complete W track and had a hellacious weather day before we even got there. So we yeah. were soaked that day because it rained monster rain yeah like we had to cross a a raging rapid creek like by throwing trees over the top of it like it, it was a elements day so the last thing you want to do is get done with a day like that go to a beautiful place where some people are sleeping in this wonderful house where there's like a wood-burning fire and there's like, like beautiful a bedrooms. Like a butler. Yeah, and like literally have chefs like walking around, pouring constant amounts of wine, and then you have to go out into your tent. Like not going <laughs> to happen. Not okay. Not okay. So... I mean, our guide came up to me and he was like, hey, so, um, we, you know, the people, I don't think it's safe to sleep in tents tonight. And I thought it was a joke. And I'm like, yeah, totally. Like, Obviously. why would anybody do that? But later found out that that's what the plan was. Yeah. Which, oh my God. Yeah. So we're like, obviously that's not going to happen. And so the family, it's a family run ranch. They had a home there. And so they said that those people could sleep in their home. So we're like, okay, well that could work. Not ideal, but it could work. And we go over there and it's like, again, when you're comparing it to this beautiful home that has the comfortable beds and the bathrooms and all the things, now it's like this, this family's home that there's no sheets on the, it's like a sleeping bag in it's their bedroom. It's their home. They're there. They're sleeping on the couch. And now people have no to, power. No, well, there was no power in the other house. Well, both houses didn't have a, so the main house had electricity, but they turned it off at night. The other house didn't have electricity at all. Um, so either way at night, you weren't going to have electricity. But we were just like, well, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Like, I just did not know. Nobody had bed sheets. 
they had to sleep in sleeping bags. I and mean, there was a communication. Like we couldn't really communicate. Which rooms are available? Which rooms can we get? Like they were wanting people to sleep in one bed together that didn't even like know each other. Like they obviously know each other, but like not like that, right. you know. And so I just started. I like broke down and was just crying. So I'm just like, what do you do? Like mm. this is a disaster. No, totally. And I think if you're comparing it, you could literally picture it as a. Uh, the main house that everybody was in was like a five-star, like Stein Erickson, ski-in, ski-out, like lodge, right? Like beautiful reception area. Like, you know, the, the living room was like comfortable and cozy and like full glass windows looking out into the, and then going to like the worst Motel 6 in like the raunchiest area. Yeah. Like, I'm using that as a dramatic yeah, example. Yeah, it really but, wasn't that bad. No, because we slept over in that house the second night. So we, so right. it ended up being like, uh, you know, people were super cool and they're like, it's it's totally fine. Like, don't worry about it. We can sleep over here. It's not that big of a deal, whatever. And so it ended up working out. I mean, we felt really bad about it because yeah. had we had known that was the situation, like we wouldn't have put people in that situation. Right. We were told both houses were done. So again, now we're in charge of trying to figure this out and we're like embarrassed and feel bad. We're like, well, what are we supposed to do? And so that was really shitty, but people were cool about it. They slept over in the house and it ended up being such a fun mm. night because we all hung out at the nice house, right? So that's yeah. where we had dinner. That's where we showers. We had our wine and we danced and like, it was a crazy night. Like it's <laughs> just a wild 3am night. Yeah. Um, and it was so much fun. So it ended up working out, but then on the next group, we were like, we're not going to take people here because the house isn't done. What are we going to do? And then we really thought about it and we were like, that was such a cool, unique experience. They had a fire pit where they roasted the lamb for us. Like it was, it was just us in the middle of the mountains with nobody else around. Like it was such a Patagonian experience that you're not going to get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And it's not a typical tourist place. No, not at all. Like this is all new. This is... We're like the first group of people who've come here. Um, and when the second house is done, I mean, their goal is like they want to bring people there, but it's brand new, right? They don't bring people here. So it was like a really unique experience. So anyways, after talking about it, we're like, you know what? Well, let's figure out the sleeping thing and let's go because it was such a, we have to. And so it ended up, again, the second group was like, I don't care. I'll sleep over there. And, and so Aaron and I slept over there and it was completely fine. It was like one of the best nights of sleep well, of my life. And they also stepped it up. The people at the house stepped it up because we got our fixers involved and then we had originally canceled and then we came back and they set it up for us. They had bed sheets on there. Yeah. Like it was so comfortable. Like it, They were prepared for us this yeah. time. So that's what, that's what made the difference. I'm like, we'll come back, but like the bedrooms need to be fixed up for us and we yeah so it wasn't a surprise because mm -hmm. th the first time it was a surprise because they thought we were just going to sleep in tents so um it ended up the second time was so much fun too and it was just such a highlight experience because our guides were there and then um our other guide from when we La went to peninsula. La peninsula was there and like our horseback riding guide. Uh, another guy. Yeah. So it's like we just had like a party with all of our people, but also like our team and mm -hmm. the people who are helping us and working with us. And it was just, it was so cool. It was magical. Yeah. I, I loved, no, I, I really love Patagonia. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's again, it's one of those things that like when you reflect and you look back in hindsight, like there are times that you say like, man, like this is tough or I'm, I'm having a rough day or 
oh my gosh, I'm exhausted or whatever. But then you come home and you like realize how magical that was yeah. and how I would go back in a heartbeat. Oh, 100%. Like I would do that all over again. One of the best trips we've ever done. And yeah. one of the most unique places, like it's so different than anywhere I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And when we come home, we always do a debrief of like, what would we do differently? What did we learn? What did, what could we work on? Right. Cause mm -hmm. there's always things we can be working on. And and so we just hash everything out. And one thing though that really did come out of this trip is this trip was 14 people in each group um, because there were so many people who wanted to come. So we thought, oh, that's probably fine. Like we'll let's do, do it. Right. Yeah. And it end that was too big because that we realized moving forward we will only do ten people in a group because our whole niche and what's important to us is creating very boutique, unique experiences. And when you have a smaller group, it's more intimate and you really get to know people. And that group, even though we all connected and, and you know, it, we made beautiful relationships, it felt big to me. It felt mm -hmm. like kind of split. It did. It did. I mean, yeah. even like we had two vans all the time because yeah. of everybody. And, you know, I do think that, you know, in a way it did allow for... You know, if you had 10 and they could only fit eight in a van, like what are the other two people doing? Are they by themselves? Yeah. You know, it's like little things like that that we have to figure out. Well, you just but, split five and five. Right, like, exactly. But it's, it's literally like the vans weren't an issue. Um, but, you know, I, I do think the, the smaller group um, is the way to go. Oh, 100%. It's a non-negotiable. Like, yeah. it, it's just going to, because... To me, that intimacy is the most important part for the trip. And mm -hmm. um, even though we had that, it was just, it felt too much for yeah. me. And it's easier to manage with like hotels and, oh, and yeah. making sure that everybody Dinners. is like, right. And we're not like, again, this isn't a busload of people and you just don't care where people are. Like we want everybody to stay close and really get to know each other and be sitting at the same table at dinner and being able to have one conversation. And that all takes a smaller group. Yeah, 100%. Because so. those are the most magical times when we look at, you know, it's like the conversations around the dinner table and, you know, those type of things are what last. And so if you have too large of a group, you can't, you can't hear you each can't other, hear each other you're yeah. screaming and it's just not, not the same feel. And I think another thing that's important too for us is like not having clickiness. Like, oh, yeah. you know, we really want everyone to feel comfortable and welcomed and included and it's a group trip and you want to get to know people you know and i think sometimes it's easy to click off with people you know or, or vibe with immediately or vibe with and i think that's always going to happen in any situation but we would always try at bigger like um dinner like to bring everybody together as one and to have conversations and i think we all felt connected doing that you know well i think that's another life lesson that i have to learn too that like you're not always going to completely vibe with everybody, right? Like it's individuals joining a trip and individuals that live a different life and live different ways. And like, you have to be able to adapt to that and find that common ground and find those things that you can connect to. And like, it's easy when you're tired to just fall into a conversation with people you vibe with. It's just simple. It's human nature, right? Like you are drawn to the people you feel connected to. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, it's about stopping that natural thing and branching out a little bit more. And I think that's something that we can do better at. Yeah, no, I agree of hundred percent. Cause especially when you know people and yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something we always have to continue to work on. Cause they always just want everybody to feel completely 
welcome. I, I, not that they don't feel well. I guess um, included. included. That's the yeah. word. It's included. And not having to fight to like, you know, like yeah. I never even really had a conversation with anybody. And I mean, that's, we do say that like when you do travel in a group, you kind of got to be a little bit more aggressive if you want to get heard. Yeah. Um, but that's not everybody's personalities. And, and I think that goes back to saying that our trips aren't for everybody too, because you know, we, you and I have big personalities where we're, we like to talk where we like to like be in the mix where we're, we'll fight our way in. Totally. We are big personalities and I love that about us and that's just who we are. And there's a lot of big personalities on our groups and there's also not like, you know, it is a good mix, I guess, but I think coming on a group trip, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to be friendly and talk to people. And if you are somebody who just does not talk and like, you know, because we try to get everybody involved and stuff, but like if you're somebody who just doesn't talk and just is very quiet, then a group trip might not be the best because I do think that you really have to be able to feel comfortable to put yourself out there if you want to meet people, if you want to connect with people. Well, I will say on the flip side of that, there are people that come that do not talk but like being in groups of people. That's right? true. And they are per completely and chill. comfortable. There's a difference between your energy level of being somebody that like, I don't need to talk and I can have the best time of my life. Like yeah. I like listening to other people and I don't want to be the one talking but I'm loving every minute of this. And yeah. there's a different personality versus I feel excluded. I'm just going I'm gonna to have a puss on. I'm going to have a puss on. I'm going to focus on that. And like, nobody's talking to me. Woe is me, blah, blah, blah. That's the kind of energy that does not fit on that's, our trips. Yeah, that's true. Period. End of story. That's true. Yeah. You don't have to be a big personality. That's a hundred percent true. Not everybody is. And, um, yeah. I, yeah, I think we're just basically saying that there's only so far you can go with, you know, people that just want to like be in their be own the element, own. right? Yeah, yeah. Like you can only do so much. The last thing I'm going to do is sit there and annoy people because I did that on the first trip with sweet Keaton and I'm just Aww, like, why aren't you talking? Him. Why aren't you saying anything? Like Keaton, man, you're so loud, like blah, blah, blah. And it was like, because I noticed that he didn't talk and I felt like he felt excluded. But now that Keaton's come on the majority of the trips, he's one of, he is one of my favorite people on the planet. And like, I just know that that's him. Yeah. And he doesn't need to be chatty Cathy. Like when he comes out, he comes out and he's one of those people that when he talks, everybody shuts up yeah. because you want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. But he is having the most magical experience in his own way. Right. And like, I don't need to facilitate any sort of him speaking to think that it's going to change. 100%. And so it's about, that's another thing is being able to read people, understand people and love them for their personalities. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's, that's not easy to do. And it's, it's, it's a skill that I want to learn and be amazing at. Yeah. And these trips will definitely help us do that. Totally. So sure. we're gearing up for two more Perus. Oh and my then, God. You know, Bali and then Oaxaca this year. So if you're interested in joining these Travcess adventures, we would love to have you. Mm -hmm. um, you can get on the interest list by going to imtravcess.com and you'll see a tab that says adventure trips. Um, and you can just sign up there and that gets you on the interest list because when we launch these trips, that's where the first communication goes to. Um, so you can stay in the loop with everything that we have going on. So there's, I feel like there's just so many stories and so much like we could talk about on these, like there is, but I have a public service announcement for these trips. Okay. Like, can we get some guys on these trips? Yes. Bring your husband or boyfriends or, and it's starting to come, uh, it's starting to come, but you know, it's, it, it is very one-sided. Well, the first group was perfect because there was three and me. Oh, that's true. Why did I think there was four? Out okay. of 14. Okay. 
The second group, there was only one other dude. Yeah. So, yes, we definitely need some good male energy. It's I like when there's a balance. I like, do too. I, it's so like on the first group, like it's, it's nice to have that good balance. Like, so yes, we want some more male energy. So bring your male friends, bring your partners, bring tell your, your friends, tell your friends, tell your daddy, bring your grandpa. Well, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> unless grandpa is crushing it. Yeah, I know. So that's, yeah, that's important for sure. Um, yeah, we're home, we're settled. It was a crazy journey to get home. I think that will be the last story we tell. Uh, we're, we're, we've hit our hour mark. Okay, so we'll tell this and then wrap it up. I feel okay. like there's so much more I wanted to say, but- um, Obviously the funny stories for us have been the snafus. Because oh, there's always obviously. like great stories and we can tell you how great the trip was. And I think we've expressed that. I just don't want it to be every story is like a snafu. Yeah, but those are the funny ones. This was pretty, yeah. And then like so, Lauren on the top of the mountain in a oh, fucking yeah. liner. Okay, I'm gonna tell two stories real quick because okay. these are funny. This is gonna be an hour and a half episode. No, so um, we we hike. So on the second group, we had the most beautiful weather the entire time, like literally the entire time. Mm -hmm. And we we do the towers hike, which is the the grand finale up to the towers, um, like what you see in all the Patagonia pictures. It's a long pictures. day. It's a long day. So we, we hike up there, it's the most beautiful hike. All the colors are lit, it's red, it's orange. I mean, it was just so beautiful, which is why we wanted to go in fall because of the colors and there's less people. So we get up to the top and we, it was like literally we got up there and just a whole cloud comes in with like snow and hail and rain and wind. And it was crazy because we'd had such beautiful weather and then we get to the top and we saw the towers for maybe five minutes if that we snapped a couple of pictures and, and they then weren't it was even gone. fully like they weren't even fully there no and they were fully there in the morning the sunrise on the towers we could see it from our campsite yeah were just booming and it was like that typical patagonia picture on google it was gorgeous and so we're like yes it's gonna be great and boy did it change quickly but i feel like it was patagonia giving us a hug right yeah. to the group of just like I've given you beautiful weather, but I'm not going to let you leave without you experiencing my wrath <laughs> because it just came out and it was like, this is so Patagonia. So we get up to the top. It's absolute chaos with the weather. We're trying to get pictures. We're trying to get a group pic and a video. We're like blowing over the hails, like pelting us in the face. We're hiding behind a huge boulder just to eat and huddling together because it was like so cold. <laughs> it was so crazy. And um, then we wanted to get a group pic with, you know, our Trav says shirts and we're all soaking wet, freezing cold. And we're like, and then we had to leave our rock cave to like go out there and do it. And again, we're all just like laughing about it because you're just like, what is this? This mm -hmm. is insane. So one of our friends, Lauren, who we love, our little buffalo, <laughs> she literally like when it comes to hiking, the most important thing is you have a base layer and it always has to be wool, right? You don't want it to be caught and it has to dry or it has to be um, synthetic, like where it dries and wicks and all of that. Like that's like hiking 101. You have mm -hmm. a base layer, it protects you, and then you build on the base layer. So, and, and rain gear is the most important part of Patagonia. Mm -hmm. And noticing that most rain gear under those conditions are not completely waterproof. So you need to almost have a second layer to absorb that to keep yourself dry and warm. Yeah. So we get to the top and Lauren literally is wearing uh, <laughs> A Trav says cotton, cotton, the worst thing you can wear because it doesn't dry or absorb any sort of uh, whatever, liquid or whatever. Mm. Um, 
Trav says t-shirt and then a raincoat liner. Liner. Not a raincoat, a liner. And she's soaking wet. <laughs> and you can just see the Trav cest like through because it was white. You can just, because she's so soaking wet, you can see the shirt she's wearing underneath. And it was so funny because we're just like, is that a liner? And she's like, I don't know. I think so. Like, I, I thought it was my raincoat. Like, I don't know. But it was so funny because it was just like the worst possible outfit you could ever wear on that kind of a hike. And she just had such a good attitude about it too because it was freezing cold. And she's just like, whatever, like, I'm okay. You know, it is. Well, then it our is. guide's looking at me, like, pointing at three people saying, like, we gotta go because, like, hypothermia could set in. Like, yeah. that's how bad it was. Yeah. And she's just like, what is? Just take some pictures. Yeah. Like, I'm in my liner. It's like, just so hilarious. funny. It was just like, uh, it was just like one of those moments where you're just like, what are you wearing yeah. right now? Like, um, and then we ended up, we could only stay up at the towers for maybe 15, we stayed up 20 there a while. minutes, like maybe we stayed 30 up there a minutes. While. And then we had to go down, but it was so beautiful, um, until the crazy weather until happened. But again, that was the only bad weather we had the entire trip, which totally. was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then finally getting home. Oh, I'll tell this. So we, we book our flights home. Kim books a direct flight from, uh, we had to go to Puto Arenas because, uh, Puerto Natales, that airport is brand new and it is literally the coolest airport I've ever seen. It's literally a trailer and like a big landing strip. We literally landed, went past the airport, did a U-turn on the runway and then came back and just parked outside like you would park at an airport. Like literally I could see the cars parked in the airport. It was yeah. awesome. So anyway, we couldn't fly out of there because they weren't doing flights because it was the end of the season. So we had to go to Puerto Arenas. So we took a three hour drive down there and Kim booked a direct flight from Puerto Arenas to Santiago on Sky Airlines. And so there was pretty much half and half, right? Half the group was on one flight, half the group was on this flight. So it was nice that we had like our group there. Um, and so we're flying and we realized that it says it's landing in Puerto Montt. And we're like, wait, we thought we had a direct flight. And so the airline just changed it and said we're, you know. Pit stop. Pit stop in Puerto Montt. So they're like, don't worry about it. Don't get off the plane. We're just going to pick up a couple of people and, and fly on to Santiago. So we literally land and we're sitting there and I hear in Spanish, like all the people that spoke. Well, no, the, the captain came on the plane on the intercom and he said something. And we, right. we, they don't repeat in English. There's no catering to English. So it was only in Spanish. And after he spoke, everybody was like, pissed ah, off, like, grabbing their shit. And we're like, what's going on? Uh -huh. What happened? Yeah. So we ask a flight attendant and she repeats that basically, uh, she goes, there's problem with flight. And we're like, there's a problem with the plane. And she's like, no problem with flight. The captain or we've reached our max flight time. So we're no longer taking off. We're not continuing on to Santiago. No. And we were in, and so Puerto Montt to Santiago is like an hour. Like mm -hmm. it's not even that far. So they're like, you have to get off the plane. We're not, we're no longer going to Santiago. Yeah, we've reached our regulation flight time. We're like, wait, what? Yeah, this was a scheduled flight to Santiago and you just said, okay, we're no longer flying anymore. And where, it, this is a small airport. We don't Super even know small. where we were, you know, it was no. like weird. And um, so we all get off and we're like, well, now what, what do we do? And we all have connecting flights in Santiago, which is why we got a nonstop flight. And timed. And yeah. 
And, and so we're basically like running around, nobody's speaking English. Nobody will even speak to us. They're like dismissing us. Like yeah. they're annoyed with us. And we're like, um, we're just trying to get on a flight to Santiago, but nobody would help us. No. And so they're literally like, uh, there's a flight coming in going to Santiago. And so like, we're trying to figure it out ourselves. And so we just literally are standing in line in another plane and they were just going to let us walk on this plane. They were taking WhatsApp pictures of our boarding passes and just like writing our names in pink pen on like pieces of paper and like passing that around. It was, there was the most, no computer system. There no, was no nothing. organization. There was nobody over the intercom speaking like nothing. So you have an entire plane that's trying to get to Santiago, just running around this airport, trying to like run through jetways to jump <laughs> on planes. It really felt like dumb and dumber. Like just like hold that plane. So we get all the way up to the, uh, this random flight, which we noticed that there was people that spoke Spanish were boarding that flight from our flight. So we're like, oh, let's go. So we walk down there and like, sorry, plane's full. So there's another flight coming in. And so we're just like, wait, what? Like where? So they're not even telling us. So basically push come to shove. Like we end up uh, finding a plane. Well, I, I had this feeling that there was another, there was a plane at another, we were at one gate and I was like, I feel like that one, we sh I should go look. And then I kept like kind of putting it off and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to walk over there and look. And then I saw this girl who I had met who was helping us cause she spoke English and, um, she just a would, passenger. Yeah. Just a passenger. <laughs> and so, cause we did meet some nice people who were trying to help, um, translate for us because we didn't understand anything that was going on sweet james sweet james so um i saw her and i was like oh my gosh like is this the flight are we going to santiago and she was like well um he's letting me on and i'll see if i can get you guys on the plane like it was like they were only letting special people on the plane it was insane mm -hmm. and so i called everybody over so i'm like come on come on come on and then um she gets on she's like sorry i told him but like i'm getting on the plane like good luck basically and so we're all just like waiting there and then they stop us all. They won't let any of us on until everyone else boards. And then they went down the list of like the pink pen list. And thank God, every one of us were able to get on that flight. Mm -hmm. And um, I was so glad that I walked over there because honestly, it was like boarding. Well, we you, you walked it. over to the one that we didn't get on. I walked over to 434 because I realized that that was on the top of the, the page that she was writing in the pink thing. So I went and found that flight number. And then you were standing up at the gate, like basically about to walk in. And I was like, thank I was like, God, I'm because on this flight. I would never just stand there. And I like, didn't give a fuck. No, I'm, I like, I'm getting on this plane. Yeah. So we all ended up getting on. Kim and I missed our flight. So did Lauren. Um, but the rest of the group got their connecting flight because they had it at like 10 p.m. Ours was like an 8.30 flight. Mm -hmm. um, so we missed that flight. But it was nice because then we just stayed in the hotel and we went out and explored Santiago yeah. and had like an amazing day with Lauren, our little buffalo. And like... It, it was it was a good day, and then our flight was supposed to board the next night at eight thirty, and oh then it was nine thirty, and then it was excuse me midnight, and then it was you know two a.m. Two we did not take off until two thirty a.m. Yep, which is insane. But it was like one of those other things that was a complete snafu. But we just made the best of it. We're like we can either sit here and complain, or we there was a Holiday Inn at Santiago Airport, which couldn't have been more uh, convenient. And then we had got to spend the whole day in Santiago. We got, we got to show Lauren and take her to this awesome place for lunch that we wanted to go back to. And we're like, okay, cool. This worked out. And we got to um, upgrade. So I upgraded to business for $47 plus points. And then Aaron upgraded. It was like 300 or something. More than like that. More than that. Yeah. But like, 
Um, so then we have to find business help. And I'm like, okay, not and, mad at that. And first in the last one, oh. which that got us into the Admiral's Lounge to oh. go take a shower. Not to mention, you know, when we got to uh, Santiago, um, we missed our flight. Well, they also, we noticed as we were taking off, we look out the plane of the plane we got onto and there's our luggage just sitting on the tarmac. Oh yeah. We're like, so we're like well, luggage. I guess that's not coming with us. Yeah. And Kim and I have those Apple tags in our luggage. So like I could see that it was still there. So basically the, our luggage was not coming to Santiago until the midnight flight. And so I, we lost luggage on our last trip and I was like, we're not going through that again and dealing with another country and like all this kind of stuff. So it's best if we stay the night and get our luggage. Well, they told me again through broken English that I could just come back into baggage claim and grab our luggage when it comes in on the midnight flight. So I was like, okay, so something in me was like, you have to attempt to do this. Kim's like, no, we'll get it in the morning. Like it's fine. I was like, no, I need to get on this now when the flight comes in, when the luggage comes off the rack, like we got to grab it. And so She's like, fine, I'm tired. I'm going back to the hotel. I got to pee. Like, and I was like, okay, fine. So I end up literally almost getting arrested in the Chilean uh, Santiago airport because I could not get into that area. It was a restricted area. So I ended up seeing on the second level, there was a staircase that led behind the doors. Great security, I guess. And so ended up walking out this door and ended up in the baggage claim area. And I'm standing there and I'm trying to get somebody's attention, like a security guard who's standing at the door. So I wait for the doors to open. I walk in, I'm like, excuse me, um, I'm supposed to grab my luggage. It's coming in on the midnight flight. Like, I just need to get in here and get my luggage. And he was like, knowing this. And he turns around and starts laughing to his friend. And so then I went like ape shit crazy. And I'm like, I start to like take off running because I see our bags coming down. And so they're like, ah, like freaking out. So then like some guy comes running over, he's like, what's going on? What's going on? And I was like, you speak English? And he was like, yes. And I was like, I was on the flight that was canceled and like we got on another flight. That's my luggage over there. And so he was like trying to figure it out. And so I just took off running again. And then he chases me down and he makes me show like my passport, my boarding pass. So I'm grabbing not only our luggage, but everybody else's on the plane and putting it out. And he's like asking why I'm collecting all these bags. And I was like, this is my group. And like, I'm making sure... And then I flagged somebody from Sky Down and like lined up the the things that our other group's bags and then come walking out. And I was like, I got our luggage. And Kim and Lauren came over and they're like, oh my God. I know, you were like the suitcase hero. Yeah. That was so great. But we had our luggage for the next day. Thank God, yeah. dude. It all worked Because I had out. pissed my pants and everything. Oh my God, I know. You come back, your wiener's soaking wet. <laughs> There's pee everywhere. And I'm like, did you, I like said, did you pee yourself as a joke? Yeah. Like, and you were, I thought you were going to be like, no, water spilled. You were like, I did. I'm like, okay, we've reached a new level. Like, we need to go home. I had to pee, but I had to bust through security. So oh there was no time. And then God. all the excitement, I just couldn't control it. Oh, what a, what a trip. Yeah. All right. We'll end it. We'll end it there. Well, yeah. And this is a two hour podcast. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm sick. I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Let's go. All right. Well, it feels good to be back on the mic and we are going to make this back a regular thing. Hopefully. Um, We'll be back next Thursday. We we will. Definitely. All right. All right. Toodaloo, motherfucker. (laughs) Okay. Jesus.